With over 20 years experience providing strategic advice to Newcastle business, it's no wonder he's built an incredibly successful firm himself. Now with four partners and 30 staff, Doyle Partners provides business advisory, tax strategy, business sales, strategic consulting, wealth structuring and compliance support to a broad range of Novo businesses. In his time outside the office, he sits on a number of not-for-profit boards, including the NIB Foundation and the Newcastle University Business and Law Faculty Board of Advice. It's no wonder that Justin Doyle is, is a respected fellow of Chartered Accountants Australia and New Zealand in the Newcastle business world. So without further ado, please enjoy our deep and wide-ranging conversation with Justin. Justin, welcome to the show. Thank you. So mate, we're right in the heart of Newcastle in your offices at the moment on Bolton Street and I wanted to start off by, I guess, your uh, your history in, in Newcastle and, and we might go right back to the start. So how do, how do you and Newcastle fit together? Yeah, thanks. Look, um, I've lived in Newcastle all my life, uh, grew up out in Walls End, um, uh, which is a great part of Newcastle, I think, um, and uh, went to school in Mayfield and Hamilton. And um, yeah, I've got a real affinity with, with Newcastle, always loved it. Um, as a, uh, my career started in Newcastle, I started at a, um, a firm, it's now now part of the national and international PKF network, but back in those days it was uh, known as Lawler Davidson, and I um, sharpened a pencil and started um, my accounting career there in in um, the very end, I think it was almost December of 1992, so I hadn't even gotten my um, HSC result at that stage, but was lucky to, to um, get a, a trainee accountant position at the time. Um, these days, those sort of jobs are easy. It'd be interesting as um, uh, some of the problems in the world start to play out now, whether unemployment starts to show itself, but, um, Back in 1992, it was in a recession. A lot of young people at the moment, uh, a lot of young accountants I employ, that sort of thing probably have never really seen that. But it was a harder to get a job in those days. I think there might have been 50 applicants and you know a couple of us got got in the door. So I was pretty, um, pretty chuffed to have uh, gotten a job. Um, so grabbed it with both hands and sort of started my, my career that way. That transformed through a couple of um, uh, Firms also worked at uh, um, what was Crosby, Warren, Sinclair. Now, now um, DFK Crosby um, as a trainee, and through, and then finally did all my uh, uh, CA and everything through uh, Price. What was Price Waterhouse, and then was there right when they merged with Price Waterhouse Coopers, and and um, that saw me through my qualifications. Um, did most of my university at night, well, all of it actually at, at night. So worked full time and um, and uh, 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 got through the degree piece by piece. Um, and don't regret doing that because came out of it the other side uh, as a pretty young person, but actually done a lot of time in in the market. I think I might have been twenty four and I got my CA, but I technically been had seven years of public practice under my under my belt and a lot of people are really only just sort of starting to 
get going at that, at that yeah. stage. So, so, um, so yeah, that's how I sort of got going in the Newcastle market, and it's been a steady build uh, ever since, which well, has landed in 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 the practice we're in now. So into the heart of uh, Bolton Street. Was there a part of you when you were finishing? I guess school to think like you know maybe I should go to Sydney and try and get into one of the bigger accounting firms in Sydney. Like what made you really want to stay in Newcastle? Because uh, I'm sure great. in 1992 compared to 2020, it's changed a lot. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, it has. Um, at that stage, uh, just as a young person, I was sort of happy with my lifestyle. I was living at home, and and um, the thought of going to Sydney wasn't really. Um, uh, at the front of my mind, okay. but what I what I did do is when I um, the market was pretty hot around uh, two thousand year two thousand, and when I'd, I'd actually had my CA at that stage, uh, I I left and um, went over to London for about two two and a half years, and um, that gave me the big city experience there. Um, I somehow talked my way into a really good uh job over there um which which was with morgan stanley and and that taught me a lot about i'd at that stage up to that point in my career i was uh definitely a technician um had a strong tax consulting background um uh on the foundation of you know the, the great training in pricewaterhouse and and um and some good professionals around me and that sort of thing but going overseas was good to sort of almost cut some ties with that and get into um, some areas that I th- thought maybe worked on my um, communication skills a lot more, a lot more soft skill based. Even though it was effectively a bean counter position in an investment bank at the time, I had to associate with a lot of strong personalities and that sort of thing, which I think um, uh, just opened me up to to uh, be a good communicator, which yeah. I think probably nothing, and I, I love our profession, but, but I mean, it, it, there's there's um, a lot of generalizations about accountants that they can't necessarily, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, you know express stig- themselves. So, out there, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. So um, that's probably where I, I honed in on that edge of it. And, and um, uh, so when I eventually did come back to, to Newcastle, uh, there was part of me that thought, oh, wow, I might, uh, look at that um, style of industry and work in Sydney. Um, did one or two interviews on our um, return from um, from England d- down there, but honestly, I was sitting on the, I, I remember sitting on the beach at Bar Beach there and it was summer and just thought, <laughs> what that, am I thinking? What, what, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, uh, that, that Newcastle is, um, certainly a big enough place to make a mark if you if you have a have a crack yeah um, what I like about it is in Sydney you could have the, wow there's just thousands of guys like me um, having to go down there and they're just lost they're so diluted and it's such a corporate place yeah um, that you know it's just it's, it can be hard to get a reputation in Newcastle you can um, you can get one. Interestingly, it's the sort of place though you can get a good one or a bad one pretty quickly. Um, so you've really got to you've really got to do a good job. And I sort of believe it's a place that repays that, and um, uh, by reputation, referral, that sort of thing. Uh, it's a great community for that. 
also, if I guess it's a sort of market where if you, you know, as a professional, you, you could um, do the wrong thing, whatever, word to, to get around as well. So, yeah. so it's certainly been a great place um, to build a business and a personal brand and, and, and all that and our, and our, um, and our practice as a, um, as a brand for, you know, that says family business in, in Newcastle. And the other thing about Newcastle is that it's a, um, a, a town built on, people think it's built on the steel industry and the coal industry, and it is, and it is, but a layer down from that, it's just, comp it's, it's, it's uh, strong with privately owned business, family business, a lot of good family businesses exist in, in, um, in Newcastle, and that's the sort of practice uh, we wanted to create here. It, it, that's, that's our niche, that's what we're aimed at. And um, I think it's a better town. You can run a better practice here than maybe in Sydney for that sort of thing. Now there's thousands of family businesses in Sydney. I'm not suggesting there's not, but it's definitely in professional services, got a corporate edge. So you're probably more dealing with larger companies that have uh, opaque shareholdings and you're more dealing with people who are employees and senior management of an organization. And of course they change every year and yeah. it's very hard to build proper relationships where business owners don't usually you know, uh, they're invested. They're 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 in there. So they're, there's ingrained relationships that 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 um, that come out of that. Yeah. So it sounds like what you really, I guess, are fond of in Newcastle is that personalised touch of actually being in a family business, yeah, not necessarily part of, part of a corporate entity. Yeah. Yeah. Know? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Did um, I guess is is when you come back from London and I guess looking at different opportunities, is that when you thought there's there's a gap in the market here for a firm like Doyle's or, or, or did you go into another role first? Oh yeah, no, it, it sort of evolved and eventuated. I worked at another practice um, when I got back here um, and the way it sort of all played out there was just sort of, I just sort of, it, I um, was re-immersing in a market that I never really left. I, I, it, was a, it was a couple of years out, it was a bit of a rite of passage for Australian accountants, especially at that time in the world to, um, to go and do a bit of time overseas and, and, and you know, get the visa, that the two year visa and all yeah. of that. Um, so uh, the, uh, when I got back into the market, I, I felt I still had um, a presence in it and uh, quite quickly um, developed, you know, r relationships and that, that sort of thing uh, that, that enabled me to uh, springboard into what's now, now door partners. So yeah, there's, there's a particular, um, uh, particular um, client relationships and that that really um, that that uh, were very um, uh, special to you know that that I thought that could could allow for it to, yeah. to happen. So yeah, yeah right okay. Um, and I guess Doyle Partners where it sits now because it, it established in was it the, the late nineteen nineties and now you're no no so no, no, so uh, technically our. Um, uh, it's 2008 when we when oh really okay. when we um, uh, officially launched started, uh, launched Doyle Partners so right in the heart of the GFC yeah that's right so so that was a very interesting time in the world and um, I found when you're starting a practice so I just sort of as you are in a market I was a um, uh, was a partner in a, in a, in, a, in another firm um, uh, Prosperity Advisors. And um, it was time for it was definitely time for me to to um, uh, est establish our independent firm, 
and um, and has some uh, great um, client, but not only that, but um, team members who who uh, had a same vision uh, in particular, Martin Perry, who's um, my business partner, and together we sort of we, we sort of got this going, and it was the end. It was July two thousand and eight. Now put it this way, the credit, what was known at that stage in the market, everyone, it wasn't the GFC yet, it was a credit crunch was hitting. Yeah. And it hadn't moved to equities, and it hadn't moved, about October of 2008 is when, what's now, everyone in hindsight looks at the, the GFC, it sort of hit equities, and I think the, the reality of it set in. Um, we were just getting up and going in a new business. Um, stared that down. Uh, because it found, I found it to be the greatest opportunity because in crisis like that, that's when people look at their advisors, they need their advisors, um, and, but, but, but also they have a you know, good look and harsh look at, at, at uh, who's around them. Yeah. And that, I think, really gave us some good momentum to, to, um, to get going, get established in the market. And I honestly think with everything, with, um, with the current situation with uh, COVID-19 and, and, you know, the subsequent lockdowns and business disruption, as much as Australia hopefully has escaped, escaped it um, and appears so, um, it's nevertheless been another disruptive time and a great time, I think, to, to, um, to uh, be there for clients and probably be there for clients who might be being neglected elsewhere as well. So, yeah, it's yeah. funny, we were just chatting before um, we sat down and you said, you know, most people are probably struggling in a time like this for a business like yours, you find it, you can you can actually take market share and get new clients on board because there's probably a lot of people that are being neglected. Yeah, yeah, there, there are, I think it's a good time to, to grow new client relationships. Um, we've definitely found where we've had, there's two types of clients. There's clients who I guess have been in industries that have really been hit. And I, I, I felt a duty to um, uh, be to support support them if you if you like. So yeah. you know, there's all sorts of things where you know, like um, there's some where the clients need you know um, time time to, to pay and things like that. You know what I mean? You just sort of got to you got to realize what different situations people are in and, and adjust. Um, adjust to that you know so so I'm not suggesting it's all um, uh, fantastic out there for everyone and we've got some clients who've really needed us and we've been there for them and it's and it's not about um, it's it's really is genuinely about our relationship with them rather um, and where we've had to support them in any way yeah. uh, we, we, we're there to do that but for new for converting prospective clients I'm noticing um, the uh, sort of number of, in, uh, of referral-based inquiry going up and we're getting conversations that would normally sometimes be maybe harder to, to get um, it, uh, happening. Yeah. Uh, and I, I remember having phone calls when we were actually locked, we're, we're in proper lockdown. I had everyone working from home. Right now we've got um, a good uh, portion of our guys back on deck. Um, and uh, but in having phone calls, phone calls with prospects, thinking, "Wow, I, I, normally I'd be out and have met them and all that." And we just can't do that, but yeah. it's still not holding us back. 
So yeah, so it's interesting how it's all um, playing out. Yeah, I think um, you know, in the height of uncertainty, professional services and you know those trusted advisors in a business are probably leaned on more than um, you know in prosperous times. So I think you guys are, you know, you're in a very unique position where, you know, if you can capitalize on that relationship and, and really support your clients without, you know, putting your hand out and, and asking them, you know, for more in a, in a time that's tough, I'm, I'm sure that will, will then reflect very kindly on you and, and the business going into the future. Yeah, oh, that's it. I think um, it's just a, we've all got a responsibility to each other out there in these sort of situations. But um, the other, it's interesting how you, like it was good to, I, I found it a good test. Um, it forced us, we had, we're quite a modern practice. So from an IT software place, all our applications were on the cloud. We were quite portable, but nothing had forced us to actually um, implement. Uh, I, I, I would have liked to have think that certainly would have been described as you know great flexible workforce and open-minded to working from home and all that sort of thing all of a sudden within what felt like a fortnight we've gone from not even sort of in that mindset to oh wow we're forced to do it yeah forced to do it and um i was really proud of our team how we all pulled together we adjusted a few operational um uh, things and uh, like every business certainly not unique but we'd uh, Microsoft Teams became not an idea that we were going to have one day to all of a sudden, the you know, the norm. Yeah. Um, Zoom meetings, even though now the economy, I mean, particularly in, in Newcastle, I mean, um, uh, we were reasonably, um, reason, reasonably free of, of any of, um, of real cases in Corona and that sort yeah. of So, um, up, up here, you you wouldn't have thought you'd be having Zoom meetings and all that. And even now, it's a it's a normal thing now. We just zoom in with clients and that sort of stuff. We it before it was sense. just a, it was you know it was yeah. all, it was there, but you just didn't really you know you weren't used to it. You know? yeah, yeah, I think utilizing yeah. it is. It's a lot of people have made it. You realize instead of having to take that fifteen to twenty minute drive, find parking, go and sit at a cafe, yeah, yeah, you can you know yeah. to have a an hour meeting really takes two and a half hours of your time. Now you can yeah. jump on a Zoom call, have an hour meeting, and it takes an hour and five minutes. Yeah, yeah. That's so it. from a time efficiency standpoint, it makes complete sense. You obviously lose that you know personal touch. Yeah. Um, just touching on you said you know you guys are quite a modern business. Looking back now in, from, I guess, 2008, what do you see has changed most firstly about your business? Like what's changed there? And then also going back to when you first started the industry in Newcastle, what's changed the most about Newcastle from an industry standpoint? Okay, so from our, the change in our business has definitely been, um, so in the last 12, 13 years, the accounting industry has at the end of the day, we're in the information business and um, the availability of information now via cloud-based uh, software, we're um, uh, predominantly advocate zero in our practice, the good, I mean, wow, 90% of our clients would be on on zero. Yeah. And um, that has allowed us to get really under the bonnet. So there was a time um, even second 2008 where for us as accountants we would have to say pretty please three bags full to a client can you please 
send in your work. So we didn't actually have an insight. We had to get the um, file, let's say it was an MYOB file at that time, zipped up and emailed to us so we'd have something to analyze. Yeah. So it has something to then reconcile, change, manipulate, whatever, to, to present, whether it be, let's say, some financial statements or something like that for a client, right? Um, so you want that one back um, and you didn't have, what you're trying to deliver for a client, you sort of almost needed them to play ball, um, which I thought hurt service and the whole industry was, was um, uh, uh, at the mercy of that. When cloud software really started to evolve, so and, and, and by the way, you would take that ledger and believe it or not, for, for put that into whatever so, um, hard software you would have here on a server in, in, within your firm and you'd have a separate general ledger there which you'd post to and blah, blah. You'd have to give cl you know, the client adjusting journal entries, things like that to, to make it work. Clunky has. Yeah. Um, in the modern world, now we all work off one ledger we all and, and we all have access to it every minute yeah and it's so effective as an advisor um to do that but what our industry like other things i guess when when things are advancing like that i, I see that as the greatest thing and our business has blossomed and we're very much early adopters of of that cloud approach um uh our industry scared of it they were like, that's the end of accountants because the, their concern their concern was, well, they've got the ledger, they can do it themselves. They won't need us. You right? replaced. Very insecure way to to think about yeah. um, to think about clients, I guess. So um, the big change since we've started until until now is, I think um, it's been an. In it's been a great industry to be in if you're brave enough to take it on and not be insecure about the fact that we're now working with this efficient system. I love it. And it actually allows us to be advisors to get way more proactive about um, our approach, um, take a view on things. Because you're seeing uh, it in real time now as well. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I think a lot of uh, practitioners who are set in their ways um, have seen it as a threat. Um, our advantage, I think, has been in trying to, uh, I think, in the way we've built our team. We're quite a young firm anyway, yeah. um, and, but we've naturally tried to um, build a team of savvy um, uh, people who are, who are uh, not afraid to sort of get in, learn whatever software package, you're, you, know, you can't break it, get in there, uh, be, be comfortable and use it for all its um all, all of its uh, features yeah uh and i think that's really we've grown significantly since since we took that approach with um uh, uh with with software and with our and with the way to service clients yeah right. and what about newcastle itself like i'm sure newcastle's changed a lot uh, look it has i mean it's 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 um the the newcastle's a big country town if you go back far enough and you could reverse park the old falcon right out the front of where you wanted to go you know and all of that now it's 
I mean, the, the, the rate of development around town is, um, is extraordinary. Look, it's a good thing. Um, uh, we're probably halfway between a big city and a country town now. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I think that's what people like about it. Um, pretty heavy populated. When you actually look at the greater Newcastle area, I mean, it's a pretty significant. It's the seventh largest yeah. population. In yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's right. It's a pretty significant economy. Um, and when you look about, not just at that, but at the sort of, there's a lot of coal getting exported out of the port there that uh, a lot of revenue uh, is being earned on for New South Wales out of, out of, uh, out of this part of the, um, of the state. So it's a significant uh, player to the, to the economy. Um, and I wonder, you know, whether it's only now starting to get discovered. There's a time people from Sydney, you know, which is like we didn't even think we were here. Yeah, really hasn't changed like I'm obviously traveling between Sydney and Newcastle every week and I still say to people you know Newcastle this Newcastle that and and they still think in their head that Newcastle is this old country town that's got a port for coal yeah yeah and they think and we're it. making steel up here or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that's right, that's right. Um, you know and then you, you tell people what property costs to be by the water and and you know some of the brands that are up here and they just can't believe they can't it. believe it yeah, yeah that, that's right that's here but it's probably going to be well with the focus i think a lot of people in sydney i mean sydney's full it's full it can't go well sure as well can't go east anymore it can't go west much further really north to the Hawkesbury's found its way and go you know, south and the mountain ranges and all that sort of cut that too it's full yeah it's, it's full so so um uh, and now with the discovery of, of working from home and that sort of thing, I think um, I'm already hearing feedback in the property industry that regional markets are pretty hot. Newcastle's evidencing that. Up the valley, like around the vineyards and that sort of thing, as I understand it, there's a lot of buyers out of Sydney who are probably looking for that um, that sort of change where all of a sudden, you know, where they're working five days a week and now they might be working two days a week, say in, in the office, so they can justify a two, two and a half hour commute to a more regional area. It's for the rest of the week, you know? Yeah, so, so um, that might uh, really sort of play to regional areas, but Newcastle's favor, I think, and sort of get discovered a little bit more by Sydney soldiers. Sure. Not that we want that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, mate, that's absolutely true. I was just speaking to someone last week who uh, they're, they're working in the corporate world and their, uh, their internal policy um, basically allowed now them for to live in as long as they live within 250 kilometers of the office um, and they're able to um, access the office you know be expected to access the office at least once a fortnight um, the the company is essentially allowing them to work from home indefinitely so those those uh, people were speaking to me and saying, well, what's on offer in Newcastle? We, we, we're actually looking to, to buy in Newcastle. We'll, we'll still keep our job in Sydney, but um, you know, we're gonna enjoy the lifestyle and our money can get us much further. So yeah, yeah. You know, that really speaks to the truth that you're, you're talking about there. But I wanted, to, uh, I wanted to turn the attention a little bit more back on to you now, Justin. So doing a little bit of research, I realized that, um, that you're quite prominent, you know, I guess in the, the local community and you actually sit on a couple of uh, boards, not-for-profit boards. I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, your experience working with um, the NIB Foundation. 
and what that's looked like. I know you've been on the board for, for the better part of about six years now, is that correct? That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so what is the NIB Foundation and, and how, is, um, how have you found that integrate into, into your daily life? Well, it's, look, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great thing and I'm really, um, it's a good outlet for me to be part, to be part of that. Uh, it's a very professional board. Um, briefly, just to sort of give some background of what it, what it is, but back when the NIB was demutualised, um, part of that whole arrangement was to establish a, a foundation. It was quite a, quite a sum of money that was put aside and that, that was um, uh, uh, bound by um, uh, a, a trustee which allowed that to be um, uh, for certain charitable projects and that sort of thing. A lot of them, a lot of them were the health theme. Are they um, Newcastle based in, in nature or do, does the well, it, uh, uh, it, it's, it's, it's national and now um, and also in uh, New Zealand as well, it sort of followed the footprint of the NIB business. But initially and predominantly, I mean, um, there's definitely a Newcastle flavour to, to that, but it's certainly, it's certainly a national and now international uh, thing um, to a point. Um, and look, it's really, it's, it's, it's really um, uh, a, a good feeling to be part of something where, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, looking at, at what's needed out there and, and trying to help financially, but bigger than just money. Um, there's some pretty experienced people on, on the board in, around um, uh, health and understanding, understanding what uh, charities to partner with and, and that sort of thing. I'm mainly probably um, there for financial um, skills and that sort of, sort of thing on the board. So there's a broad matrix of, um, of skills that go into any good board. Um, and yes, yeah, it's, it's a really, really good experience. I've learned a lot um, out of it actually uh, about um, operating in the family business sector. It, 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 um, you don't necessarily see the formality that you do on a really professional board like that. So it's really, um, it's really good to, to um, uh, see that and hone, hone those skills. They've got a very um, capable general manager in there. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's been a great experience for me. I thought it made me a better professional. Yeah, right. And you know that might have given you a great insight into, I guess, the the charitable side of, of business. Um, and I wanted to ask about, you know, more broadly speaking, um, you know, have you been involved in any um, a lot of community work in Newcastle? Where has there been anything that stands out where you've been really proud of something that you've been a part of? Um, you know, getting in and helping the community in Newcastle. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly. I mean, there's lots of well, if you go over over the years. I like to think we're a generous business, um, particularly with local local initiatives. So uh, there'd be a long list of things we've financially contributed to. Um, uh, one thing that springs to mind, which we actually uh, um, we're quite lucky with, but the the uh, the, the um, annual surface event, which um, uh, is the women's um, pro. Uh, event is crowdfunded every year, which is a real talk about Newcastle and keeping it local. It's a real Newcastle initiative, and um, I'm ready to be corrected wrong, but I believe it's the first sports event where their prize money has been crowdfunded for a proper professional uh, event in the world. And it's a local bloke, uh, Colin Law, um, 
who was part of the initiative to to um, make that happen. That the women's event was um, uh, experiencing uh, problems in sponsorship for the event to raise a pretty serious prize money that um, needed to be to be raised to keep the event here. Right. And um, uh, through the initiative, uh, uh, there's a group of guys, uh, Warren Smith, Cole Law, those guys all put together um, uh, a crowdfunding model where you would get uh, quite a number of Newcastle businesses. I think the throw was something like seven or $1,800 every business would put in and they raised, um, oh, uh, they raised a significant sum, might've been 170, 180 grand. Wow. And that, that uh, covered the expenses of running the event prize money, that sort of thing. And uh, what they do, which is quite an, an innovative, uh, is um, uh, pull out of a hat one naming rights sponsor for the event. So it's a great idea, oh, great yeah. idea. Uh, we'd been part of it, uh, the crowdfunding initiatives from its inception, which had been, I think, about five years. There's was, there was a five-year club, there might have been 20 or, 20 or so businesses who, who had been on the five-year five club. Right. And um, anyway, so uh, there's a big sort of event down at the town hall where they do the, you know, draw it out of the hat and, wow, we won it. Oh, so, yeah, so, so, so um, which was a bit of a humbling, you know, experience because this is technically, I guess, a, you know, if it was, if you just turned up and wanted to sponsor it, it would be a six-figure, um, yeah, six-figure uh, market value. So... So look, we had a, um, uh, some good um, uh, fun with that. Um, we actually felt uh, um, it was a nice way to try and return that generosity. Um, uh, so there was another charity, Surfing the Spectrum, who um, we, were, we, we thought, well, how do we, uh, we had the ability to have a stand down there and have exposure and, and all of that sort of thing. Um, we're also a bit careful. We necessarily want to be seen as some sort of retail business where everyone just walk up and you know we're we're give you a tax return. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like your marketing to sort of do you know individual tax returns for everyone at the beach. It's sort of we're quite a niche business and a focused business and and um, and thought well how do we best use that? What I would sort of see as almost retail exposure. So we had some we had, we had some great. Um, uh, visibility of our brand there, but we chose to use the um, the stand to then promote another charity, which was um, which was surfing the spectrum, which uh, does work with um, autism and yeah, right. and a really great bunch of people. And um, so we had this really cool initiative where um, Mitch Revs, a local artist, yeah. did yeah. a uh, he, he at the stand he actually painted a painting. Uh, um, over the over the days, yeah. yeah so people right. could just see him doing that. Yeah. He had some good time lapse photography of that getting getting pulled together, and uh, we ran a, um, a a raffle. Uh, so people would buy tickets, and it raised quite a bit of money for for the for the charity, and and um, with the the prize being the the artwork. So yeah, right. yeah, so it was really good. I think we got a lot of. Um, I think we got some good good positive exposure out of that. Yeah. So, so being, I think being generous and, and um, anything like that uh, with charity sort of work, it's, it, it's got to be good business at the end of the day anyway yeah, as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that comes back to what you mentioned at the start about Newcastle being one of those places where you do great things, great things happen, but yeah. if you don't do great things. Oh, yeah, you know, look, that's, that's right. But there are a lot of good, I mean, the, the, the thing I definitely echo out of that though is 
there's a lot of really good local businesses who all put in together, which is lucky. Uh, and there's been some bit of luck over the years. Yeah, 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 that's right. And I guess that's a, that. Was, but that's the that's the beauty of that uh, that idea. I thought it was a really uh, innovative way to to raise uh, money for the event and and not lose the event to the town. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think before we wrap up, we're obviously a, a property focused business. Um, real estate sounds like it's been pretty important part of your life how have you sort of involved yourself maybe personally on a business level um in in property or newcastle property yeah look i think um the benefit of in in our industry the benefit of observation we get is to see what people but also um uh, what people who have been successful um invest in not what not what's being sold that people should invest in or anything, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but where they actually do in, invest and where a lot of wealth is held and uh, what really works. And there's no doubt that um, real estate property is where that's at. A lot of commercial real estate um, uh, is a, a really important segment, I think, of people's portfolios. Um, and also when you're in business, um, it's a great feeling not to, 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 um, to not be subservient to, a, a you know, landlord and, and that yeah. sort of thing. So, so to answer your question about, um, how real estate's played out in, in, uh, my career and with, and take it with this business or whatever, we, we originally started in this building in 19 Bolton street, um, and it's just been chipping away. It's, it's a, it's a. Uh, uh, building started and as we've grown as a business we haven't looked to move um, as we've needed more space we've just bought the properties adjoining us uh, now we now we um, have uh, three floors in, in this building um, and um, a small part of that's on lease which we, we uh, to where we just sort of want, we'll buy things if they're leased and and when those leases um, play out we don't look to renew them or anything we just want to expand our footprint and and see um this is our place place of, of, of business and we'd love to take pride in that so it's uh, good to to own it all from humble yeah look that's it and, and and i've always been with real estate uh had a pretty all-in mentality so tried to um try to sort of be reasonably bullish and try to look forward and project what a city like newcastle would look like you yeah. know um i see property prices in sydney that blow your mind away but it's like any data set um there's uh you know uh, there can be some incredible sort of um high value properties in a place like sydney say very few of them but that's what happens when you get to right at the edges of of, of um of a population base you look at newcastle Let's say, it, I mean, th- th- this isn't right, but for the simple mathematics, there's 5 million people in Sydney, there's 500,000 in Newcastle. Yeah. Then I look at Newcastle and I sort of see, well, um, when you look at the number of properties that, uh, um, you know, in the beachside suburbs or, or um, that, sort of, that sort of thing, there's, there's a lower supply per capita here than there is in, in Sydney. So there needs, so I've always been bullish on bullish on where um, property markets will, will go. There's a lot of population growth coming to Newcastle. So there's a lot of supply, uh, sorry, demand coming up here and there's some limited supply in a lot of, lot of suburbs. And, and um, 
at the end of the day, that's what matters in any market is, is supply and demand. And if you can project Newcastle as a city and what it might look like in, say, 10 years' time, I mean, look how far it's come in 10 years already. Yeah. Um, it'll get more city-like property values than it's had. We've had up until, well, if you go back 10 years ago, in, in hindsight, we had regional town property values, not city-style ones. Yeah. I, think that, I think the worm's starting to turn there. So, um, so it remains to be seen, but I'm very, you know, I'd certainly encourage clients or to, to get long on, on, um, uh, property that, you know, um, particularly locally. So yeah. In good suburbs. I mean, yeah. you're, you're seeing those city prices, you know, this year we've had the, the highest sale price in Newcastle, 7.25 yeah, million, highest apartment sale of five and a half million. Yeah, unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. And it's, yeah. yeah, yeah. And a lot of that money is local money too. It's not money coming from Sydney. So it's people yeah, yeah, really good incomes yeah. buying good quality property. I'm convinced though that the Sydney money must be... It's coming. It must be um, uh, sort of influencing it up. Though, for know? sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it, so. yeah, yeah. Justin, look, thank you so much for, for your time today. We really appreciate it. We've had such a rich conversation and it's really great to get an insight into to Doyle Partners and, and how you, you know, have fit in the, the broader Newcastle community. But before we do let you go, I really wanted to, uh, to dive into the one thing, if there was one thing that, uh, that sits head and shoulders above uh, anything else in Newcastle for, for you, in, in what would attract someone to Newcastle, what would it be, mate? Oh, I just think it's the, the people in the community up here. Um, you could say all the obvious things like, yeah, like uh, yeah, there's great beaches and all of that. It's all been said and that's more for the um, postcard of the place. But I actually think it's the, there's a great community. It's a great business community. I think there's a great um, sense of community in Newcastle that um, uh, if people will say they're from Newcastle, um, no matter where in Newcastle they're from, if I was to go to, I don't know, if I pick the central coast, people generally might, they're tribal. They say, oh, I'm from Gosford or Budgie or whatever. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And if you, if you get to Sydney, people will sort of be from Sydney, but they'll be from the eastern suburbs or be from wherever, you know, Northern Beaches or wherever in, wherever in Sydney. Yeah. I think for a place that's decent size, people will even... You know, if they're from Port Stephens or from Lake Macquarie or whatever, they'll generally say they're from from Newcastle. So that's they they feel an identity with that, um, and I think it's that strength of community that is the thing that stands out for me that um, that that makes us special up here. Love it, mate. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> <laughs> mate, thank you very much for thank your you. time. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks.